Hey besties, welcome back to Bad Bitch Vibes. We are your co-hosts, Glenna, Tezra, and Courtney. Today, we have a special guest with us. We have Miss Pam. What, what? How's Hi. Pam today? Hi, Pam's great. Pam like the cooking spray, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. kidding. She, she just got us all crying in her podcast. Now yeah. we're going to get her to cry. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and about yourself. Well, well, thanks for having me, even though well, we just did the interview with y'all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but seriously, thanks for having me. Um, our show is called 2200 Taps. And uh, like you, you just asked, what, what does that even mean? Yeah, where'd you get that from? So I'm a veteran. My heart is with the veteran community and anybody that wants to share their story and civilians. But with that veteran heart, the thing is we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide, if not more. I promise you it's probably more. So the 22 is for that, for the 22 that we lose a day, the zeros, because that's our goal is to get to zero and taps on the ones that we've lost and continue to lose. So it just made sense when we made it. That's what we do. We give people a safe place to talk about their stories, trauma and tragedies, but how they've been able to overcome it because somebody needs to hear it. And because somebody, and y'all will get this more than anybody, because somebody chose to share their stories through music, right? Mm-hmm. That helped me take suicide off, off the table. Yeah. And, um. Somebody needs to hear it, man. And if we can get people to do it on this platform, on a safe platform, why not? Yeah, you're not alone. And you also do music, too. I do. I do. I do music. I'm a musician. Play guitar. Is there anywhere that people can listen to that? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Okay, so give us a little background. How long has your podcast been around for? Since April of 19, we started toying with it. Uh, Where can they listen to it? All major platforms. And what's crazy is is I started the podcast before... The pandemic happened, and then everybody wanted to have a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm one of the old OGs that started it. You are. But now, you know, you got people that start one yesterday, and they're making millions of dollars because they're celebrities. And I'm like, I fucking hate you. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying over here, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's good, man. I love doing it. I love what I do. Well, what you're doing obviously has an impact because you have, you were talking about your feedback, maybe being controversial in some degree, right? I love but it. if it's controversial, it means it's reaching someone mm-hmm. and it's impacting people, regardless of whether it's negative or positive. I think it needs to be heard because there's so many stories out there that we as a society are not comfortable with hearing, right? We like the fluff. Mm-hmm. We want the feel good stuff. And that's not always going to be where the truth lies. And I think you're really good about getting into, I mean, obviously you were just now, if you have not listened to Pam's podcast, go find it, uh, where you're listening to ours, go find hers right now and listen to episode three, which is my story. It's two, two, zero, zero TAPS guys, but it's, you, you say it's 2,200 taps, 2,200 taps. Yeah. Go find it. Listen. Because the way that she just dug into our stories and got us all over here crying. I love it. <laughs> if you can get Glenna crying, that is Wait, definitely Wait, that was step. you. Oh, hey. That was so you. It's 20 years of friendship, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take the credit on that. that Talk about my daddy. I'll cry all day. Same. Yeah. No, you guys did phenomenal. I don't know if the episodes will be out by the time this comes out or not. Either way, it'll still be out. And yeah, you guys you rocked find it. it. So, Pam, tell us a little bit about your story your origin story where did you come from yeah where did you come up from where did you grow up you know what inspired you to go into the military tell us a little bit about you dude so I'm from originally from Corpus Christi Texas down south I like to tell people I'm a Texican by the beach by the beach and uh, like I've said before it's you know 
Coast Guard's down there. You know, I always see the Coast Guard helicopter flying around. I used to play softball growing up. I am the blessing. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> what, what position did you play? Uh, I was the catcher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my Which God. probably why I have two knee surgeries done and over with. Glenda's my knee surgery buddy. Man. Um, Not no. about that knee surgery crap. <laughs> the, uh, I was a blessing of a teenage pregnancy. Um, I've learned to say blessing instead of accident. That's a way. That's a Hell way yeah, to say dude. it. I was not an accident. Uh, and um, dad wasn't really around. And then when he, he met me at three, when I was three, mm. and started financially supporting me when I was six, from what my mom was telling me, he and I just never got along. Like, we'd kind of get along, but not really get along. We'd bump heads. And he was a, he was a womanizer. And if you go to episode, episode three, I really dig into that stuff. Um, and a lot of, he hurt my family very bad. And um, my mom, she never bad-mouthed him. But I grew up with my grandparents because she was 16. So it was my grandma, grandpa, her, at one time her brother, his family, all us little Mexicans in this house. <laughs> and uh, it was chaotic. I mean, there was... Uh, verbal abuse and physical abuse the physical not to me but there was definitely a a lot witnessed and heard and seen of course uh, saw him go after my mom one time and my grandpa held him back in the door frame I think I was like six you're referring to your father no this is my uncle your uncle her brother okay her her older brother so there's some stuff there and honestly I interviewed my mom and she talks about all that Mm. So it's out there. Which episode is that on? Oh, dude, I can't That's remember. It's interesting that you interviewed your mom. I don't know if mm-hmm. either of us would ever be able mm. to interview our moms. Yeah. 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 Not Season. ready for that. No. Well, she's done a lot of work on herself. That's good. And we've, we literally grew up together. Yeah. Um, but I think season two, when I had seasons, and then I was like, F seasons, this is too much to See, that's manage. what I'm wondering. Like, should we even go to, like, say season two? I don't know. It's up well, to t- you. To be determined. TBD. Give us your feedback, what do y'all think? Yeah. <laughs> so your mom... So yeah, she uh, she did the best she could, and um, grandparents, of course. But he just he was not a healthy person. Your but uncle, my uh, this is my dad now. Well, my uncle too. He's he's since passed away. Uh, but mm, my uncle, sorry. sorry, it's a little confusing. But my birth father, he and I had a falling out in 2011. And the last time I that was the last time I spoke to him, and the last time I saw him was in a courtroom and. 2016 or something like that. So is he the one that passed away or uncle? Say what? Was it was he the one that passed away or was it your uncle? My uncle passed away. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. Uh, my uncle, he just wasn't a. He, he was very violent. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I've heard so far. It sounds like because you were a blessing to a young teenager, you grew up with grandparents who were more parental maybe hell yeah and raising both you and your mom and their son and because your biological father wasn't involved up until you were he six I mean, years old is when he started financially supporting financially me. supporting you but he got involved when you were three yeah right? that's when he first met me okay um, so but a lot of the abuse that you saw early on was actually between two siblings, your mother and her brother. It was actually my mom and her mom. Ah. Yeah, because he, he was her older brother, and he was already out of the house. Okay. Um, So he was married, had his own kids at that time. But then at one point, they lived with us. Oh. And my uncle and my grandma would do, it was just fighting all the time, yelling. I thought that was normal. Right. Um, Wake up every night, one, two in the morning, my grandparents fighting with each other. What's your earliest memory of that? How old would you say you were? Probably around six. Yeah. Five or six. 
Mm. All the time. All the time. Uh, it was so bad that I, my mom and I would isolate to our rooms. Like she had hers, I had mine, believe it or not. I would. I had a guitar. This, this is crazy, man. It's like how this all is. The guitar saved my life. I'm going to back up a little bit. To find my brand, I, I went through a school for music. An amazing lady who's a friend of mine now, she was an instructor for music business. And we had to find our brand for what we do. And I'm like, well, shit, we had to go back to our childhood. And I called my mom. I'm like, hey, when did I start picking up the guitar? And she's like, well, you used to pick up the broom when you were little and pretend you were playing guitar. She's like, but it was your dad. Because mm. he's a guitar player. He's actually a really good guitar player. But when he showed me the guitar, I wanted to play the guitar. You fell in love. I did. With the music. With the music. Yeah. So my grandma got me a guitar and I would isolate to my room and force myself to learn how to play the songs on the radio. So I play by ear. I don't read music. But that, so the guitar saved my life. You think in a way, listening to that compared to listening to what was actually happening around you was a way of escaping the reality and like diving into a place that felt safe and warm and inviting. That's all I had. All I had was my room. Uh, my guitar was my best friend. Mm. And it was crazy because when I found out it was him that introduced me to this thing that is my passion, my soul, my love, that saved my life, literally. I was so confused. <laughs> I'm like, this guy that, he, and he wanted my mom to have an abortion when she was pregnant with me. So he never wanted me. And I'm like, how is it that this guy who never and wanted me, didn't care about me, how can he save my life with this fucking guitar? I don't think it was. It was like a moment, you know? <laughs> it was crazy. What have you decided? Have you come to an understanding about that? Oh, yeah. What is it? I, I can actually love him for it. Yeah. I had to put all my pride and, and really love him for that. If it wasn't for him, it was because of him, I am absolutely in love with 70s, 80s rock, 80s ballads, hair bands. I fucking love it. Uh, and music. And my mom's a musician. Don't get me wrong. She's an amazing singer. So it's been in my DNA. Yeah. But the guitar, you know, that's something about that six string just and makes it worth it. It can transform mm -hmm. where you are and, and your state of mind. Yeah, it, it seems like it protected you. So you are in this room alone uh, with a six string and you're, you're finding like, okay, I cannot escape where I'm at, but uh, I can learn to distract myself by playing this instrument. Um, what was it like growing up in an environment like that where you were having to find solace and escape instead of finding it in the people who were there? I, I found my voice at a young age. Yeah? Tell me about that. I mean, I'd see my mom get bullied, and it's like I couldn't wait to grow up to protect her. <laughs> I couldn't. I can relate but, to that. But I also, like, I didn't care what I, like, you won't do that to her, you know? Like, I found my little voice when I was a little kid. You and, were very protective then. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, my mom would cry. She'd go to the bathroom, close the door, and I'd put my ear to the door, and she'd be crying. Until this day, if she, and it's gotten better, but if she goes to the bathroom, I have to check on her. It's just, that was like clockwork. Clockwork. And I love my grandparents. My grandma, don't get me wrong, made, they did what they had to do. And grandpa was my daddy growing up. Mm -hmm. um, but damn, the chaos was, it was real. So. so you said a little bit about the dynamic between your mom and your grandmother. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? And how it impacted you? 
Well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know, you know, my mom, like my grandma loved me. Yeah. Like, I was probably her favorite. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My mom and her would get into fights because, you know, she's, my mom's trying to be a mom, but here's grandma trying to be the mom and because she was so young. But my mom, when she was little too, and it's all on the episodes, you know, when we talk about all this, she's a dancer, performer, musician, but when she was little and she'd perform, like she could never do it right. Mm. And my grandma would literally be standing on the doorway watching her like, that's not right. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. A little bit of a perfectionist. maybe. That and when she was, my mom was in elementary, like younger grades, first grade, kinder. Till this day, she'll tell you she remembers she was crying because she didn't want to go to school because she's little. And my grandma said, if you keep crying, I'm not going to pick you up. Oh. So that abandonment, like, pin, I mean, there's so much shit there. And if you want to hear her story, it's all in there. It's all in the episode. I don't know. It was just always loud in the house. There's holes in the wall, holes, holes in the door. Can't sleep through that crap. No. So... How did that transition? As you got older, you said that your dad started financially supporting you. Um, But for those first three years after three to, what was that like having your dad come back into your life? Um, Did you readily recognize him as your father or did that take time for you to adjust to the concept that he was your dad or? I don't remember. You don't? I just remember, I was born with my grandpa's last name, my mom's last name. And I remember when I, after I met him, it was like they were, they were getting me ready because they were changing my last name to his. Oh. And I remember, so my last name now is actually his, which I'm hoping to change to go back to my birth name. Uh, But I remember sitting on his mom's lap, my grandma and his parents on their laps, and they were teaching me how to spell my last name when I was little. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was getting it. I was excited. And I remember just going to a courtroom one time and I think my it was a child support thing and he would tell me all the crap that he didn't like about how my mom was using the money but she had to use and she took his ass back for back pay good and let me tell you that it just it I was in the middle but it wasn't her it was him you know and that was confusing. So when you say you were in the middle, does that mean that both of your parents were confiding in you all of their problems, Just woes, him. and frustrations? Him. Mostly him. Not her. My mom did a really good job not to bash him. And I don't, still don't know till this day how she did that. And I, I've asked her and she's like, you had to learn. Like, how the hell at 20 years old did you have this mindset to just let me kind of figure this shit out with him? You know? But she was open with me. I'm like, he's saying this, that you're spending money on this and a new car. She's like, Pam, I need a car to take you places. You need to have clothes. You need this. You need this. So you were turning around with those same frustrations that were being given to you and then projecting them onto your mom. So in a way, mm-hmm. you became a tool of his that mm-hmm. he could use. Yeah, but I saw him every now and then. It wasn't like an everyday thing. When you did see him, what was that experience like? I would. He would take me to house, different houses of different women. He was a womanizer. And uh, there's some really deep shit there. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, how do definitely we talk impacts about this? Somebody. Yeah, he was a straight up womanizer. I remember he would always tell me like, oh, she's digging my chili or this, that. And when I got a chili, look, chili, like she's digging my chili. Like basically, what does chili mean? I, I, do, I don't know. His like what he's painless? made of. I, 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 I mean, uh, just like I him, like she's digging <laughs> him. him, right? Okay. But when I got put it this way, he ended up dating one of my teachers in high school. Weird. Yeah, it was very weird. And then. He like go pick you up, and he was like, "Hey, baby." 
I don't know. I don't <laughs> you just did a blink there. What does that? So was that really stressful for you to have somebody? I thought it was cool. You thought for your dad to be dating your? Well, you got to think. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought it was fun. We'd go to a different person's house, and this is so and so. Like I'd wait for him to introduce me to people. Did you ever and get in trouble about letting something slip about someone else, or were you with who? So I'm only saying this because of my understanding from like my relationship with my mom. But my mom was a what do you call it? Not a womanizer, uh, a uh-huh. manizer. <laughs> uh, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, she she would play the field, and so she had many men. Um, she married seven, but she had many in between. And <laughs> that's so not funny, but I'm laughing. I at love it. <laughs> it's oh. true. It's a, that's the accurate uh, response. Oh, but what I was gonna say is that shit. I got in trouble for talking about. You know, like in front of one of her boyfriends, I said, when are we going home to dad? Like dad's going to get mad. And she lost her shit on me. So I wasn't sure if he like had conditioned you through. No, but you did learn. There were things you learned to do. He and just, not do. there was always. Yeah, it wasn't like that. And my, my mom, I love my mom. She, she didn't ask. She just like, how, how was everything with your dad? Everything's good, you know, and. We, this is what we did or we went to so-and-so's house and if she knew she knew she wouldn't tell me I don't know I but you know if you knew my asshole father I swear um do you think his dad was an asshole too and that's probably where he learned it from I, I asked that because I still talked to one of his sisters uh-huh. and she's like I don't and she even said I don't know where he picked this behavior up but his dad was a Vietnam veteran and I, so I just don't fucking know like it, it baffles all of us there's so much there dude I feel like we're like preloading the chamber because what, I, what I'm, I will tell you later is like, what? It's insane. Uh, I, yeah. And, you know, before the training, believe it or not, he would he would joke with me. And I thought it was the funniest thing up until the training. He said, you know, if I had the choice to name you, it would have been Jack, Jacqueline Danielle. Because he's like, that's what I had that night. Oh, <laughs> and I thought my it was God. the funniest thing ever. And then I go to the what an tra- asshole. And then I go to the training. They're like, that's not funny. I'm like, what do you mean that's not funny? He's great. Not funny. Uh, but it was evident. He didn't want me. He didn't give a shit about me. So in a way, it sounded like he was desensitizing you to the feelings of other people. Like if he was playing the field, taking you there, he wasn't concerned about making you feel safe necessarily, making you feel like you had a stable place to belong. It doesn't sound like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that he when he was spending time with you that it was time invested in you to be with you because i'm your dad i love you i want to uh learn about who you are i want to get to know you i am so sorry i didn't spend those first three years with you but i want to make up for that time so we're gonna go we're gonna get some brahms you're gonna tell me some stories nothing like that you got something entirely different which sounds like you were paraded around a little bit like a trophy yourself Look at the great dad I am. Yeah. Meet my daughter. I'm not concerned. Well, he didn't, man, like he tried. I'll give him that. We definitely bonded over food. Go figure. <laughs> uh, he loved to cook. I love to cook. So there's some traits I have of him. Uh, but yeah, and music. Jesus, it was music. Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. Uh, anything with color. Dio, all that, all that scorpions, dude. We bonded over scorpions, and those are our car because he lived in Austin, 
or San Antonio, we're in Corpus, so our car, car rides to go see him, or I'd be with him, we'd jam out to music, or play guitar together. I remember those times, they were good. But man, he, he was so confusing with that asshole. It was so confusing. Why? Just what? dating all these women, and wearing this cologne, and just... just he, Do you feel like that's know. impacted like your perception of relationships, or dating, or romance? Yeah, I think that and the the being molested as a kid for sure what is your yeah what's your perception on men in relationships it's it's so weird um I don't know I don't know because like I don't care like who I'm with at the end of the day or whoever God has planned for me as long as it's a healthy relationship yeah physically or physically yeah physically spiritually and emotionally then you got me I don't care who you are however if I see these qualities that remind me of my dad, I'm done. We're done. And I don't even give you a chance. Like, we're just done. Um, and that's the narcissistic behavior that we were talking about. Um, it's just... So I don't know if I really have a... Because pr- there's good men out there. I know amazing men just from being up here in, in the Metroplex. I'm glad that your grandpa was able to be a father to you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what life would be like without a father in my life. He was in my life for like half of it, but... In my age now, if I didn't have my dad or like a father figure that I could call my dad, like I. Yeah, everybody talks about how important a mom is, but fathers are just as important. Girls are more for dads and boys are more for, you know, moms. I think both are important. Well, yeah, both are. But I think a balance between a healthy relationship and someone who is giving you all of those values, like for children who grow up with parents of same sex it doesn't they don't necessarily need like a mother and a father as long as they're receiving nurturing protection you know comfort stability uh all of those things that's what matters is a healthy environment to to grow up and develop in but i understand what you're saying i do i get that you need you needed that protection and then you received it later in life and it impacted you so much that it emotionally affects you oh, yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, real quick, you know what's funny about that? I didn't realize my grandpa was my daddy growing up until the day he died. Oh. Mm. oh I'm sorry. He was just my best friend, you know? But what was cool about it, not that he died, but again, my dad being the asshole that he is, I flew in from New England because I was already active duty at the time. Went to Austin to be with him. I had some kind of relationship with him because of my little brother and sister from him. And I got to sit across the kitchen table like this, me and Tezra. And he, had, he and I had gotten into it already. And I looked at him. I'm like, you're not my daddy. I'm like, you're not my dad. I'm like, the man we're burying is my dad. And he looked at me. He's like, you're right. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad he oh. acknowledged that. Okay, mother trucker. Well, take my ass to Corpus and just leave me there. <laughs> don't ever, Don't ever talk to me again, you know. So... When did you start to recognize that some of the traits that your dad was exhibiting were impacting you in a very negative way? Being a womanizer or just in general? Well, I mean, you mentioned, so you mentioned his narcissism. And what I do want to say is that narcissist, if, you know, he's yeah. actually diagnosed with like that personality disorder. He's bipolar. 
for sure. Okay. They weren't diagnosed. So all of it falls underneath the like borderline personality disorder, right? Umbrella and narcissism is a, an exhibited trait of the majority of those people who have that. And right, um, as well underneath that umbrella is bipolar disorder. Um, because you can't regulate emotion that in there's a kind of lack of communication between that and your amygdala and you aren't processing things in a real rational way you probably lack empathy to some degree so it's always difficult growing up in environments like that but they are very very charismatic extremely charismatic oh. you talk about being a womanizer it takes a lot to be a womanizer women don't fall easy not yeah. all of them and he had money and mm. he could play he had money. he could play music right women like money and he had the colognes was he good looking you know, like a younger Elvis. <gasps> oh, well, damn, that Glenn. Damn. <laughs> Both these girls. Hello. All right, y'all stop it. I mean, when he was younger, I always Share thought he looked this. like. Yeah. I guess. Y'all calm down. I used Jesus. to think he looked like. Um, I have a picture on my phone, actually. What's your I dad up to nowadays? <laughs> Just so the ladies, the listeners come. <laughs> He's on his third marriage. Oh, gee. Oh, oh that's not too bad. With a woman that's my age. Oh, oh my God. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, so. <laughs> I love Elvis. Elvis is like. I used to think he looked like Elvis when, when he was, when we were. Uh, Glenna sent me like so many videos of Elvis like, oh, like if he was alive today, I'm like Glenna. If he was alive today, he'd be old as shit. What he would fuck? be. He would be. <laughs> he'd probably still be believe dead he again. Is. I still believe he's alive. <laughs> yeah, there's just, no way. I feel like he's still alive. A, that man drank and smoked and did so many other. There's so many things that the people make you think, you know. I just, I still think there's this old man that sings just like him, looks just like him, has rings just like him, moves just like him. Yeah, there's one also on the block next to <laughs> my street. Um, <laughs> he dresses up every Saturday with his guitar on the side and it will, he'll talk to you. I'm talking, this is a pasture. Like he's. I don't even know. There's a couple in Vegas. You can he's go get married TikTok, one by okay. one. I know. I know one uh, that married my mom. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm looking for the picture, just, you know. Sounds like there was a lot of, you know, and the, there's things I think with my mom too. We talked a little bit about how like toxic my mom was. I remember so many good things. I was like absolutely infatuated with my mother. And so saying anything negative about her at a young age uh would have been impossible i think recognizing who she was after i looked back at my life from an adult perspective allowed me to heal from a lot of the trauma of the emotional abandonment and mental abuse and like physical i can see the Elvis absence <laughs> <Same> picture, <yeah. laughs> Sorry. i'm gonna have to see it too but what i am interested in is because i do hear a lot of that is the memory of, uh, <laughs> She's like, okay, I saw it. <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. Too bad his personality sucks. No, usually never. And I look just like him, so hey. <laughs> Beautiful people. <laughs> Got something right, damn it. When did you start to feel it? When did you start to feel the narcissistic abuse? Glad you asked that. I was in, I was in my teens, and I had a falling out with him when I was about fourteen. He, because he was more out of my life than in. You know, he lived in California, he lived in Austin, he lived here or there, whatever. And he came to the apartment one time to pick me up or do something. And, you know, when your parents are 
coming over. Well, I don't know. When people come over, you want to clean your room or whatever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Put everything in the closet. Mom comes over. Gotta clean everything. That's how I clean. You clean. Yeah. You throw everything in the closet. You, I clean before my maids come. Good. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> I straighten up everything before the cleaners come. Oh my God. You want to come to my house and help me? I need somebody like you. Um, no, I, I, I dumped everything in my closet and he found it. And he got so pissed off at me. Like so pissed. And I remember, I'm like, who the fuck are you, dude? Like, you're not even, like, in my life. Like, you, you, like, who are you to be getting mad at me, you know? And after, and it was a bit, it was a big blow up. Because I even, it was just a bad blow up after that. Uh, I took a pair of scissors and I cut myself. So, and I didn't realize then, but that was, like, a form of cutting. But that was, like, the first thought of, like, suicidal ideations. I don't want to be here. Like, who's this motherfucker? Like, I was already struggling with a lot from the house. And then we got an apartment. Thank God. Um, but, yeah. But it was just, it was a shit show. And so you got the home life. And then you got this asshole. And you got all this other stuff. Th- and my mom kept me busy, though. She put me in sports. And she kept me busy. Which which saved my butt, you know. Um, but, yeah, I was about 14 when everything happened. So... In that moment, if you can go back looking right now from where you are, what would you say that that gave you? Uh, dude, anger, a lot of hurt, confusion, and that just, I didn't know anything about suicide back then. It wasn't like a thing as bad as it is today. You know what I'm saying? Because this was in the early 90s, I'm going to age myself, early 90s. And yeah, I just like, I thought I didn't want to be there and let's fuck it. You know, it gave me a really toxic want to not be around anymore. It was the weirdest shit. At the age of 14. 14. It was the first time that you really just didn't want to Mm -hmm. be a part. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be here. Be a part of this. Right. And so I can feel you on that because it just sounds like there was so much chaos around your life all the time not enough uh peace to figure things out and no one questioning you you mentioned how grateful you were to your mom about not asking deeper questions you know and I can appreciate that because having to answer them at that point would have probably been an undoing of sorts but it doesn't sound like you had anybody to be a sounding board for the chaos that you were living through. And you were probably minimized because you were so young that they didn't feel like you were being affected. Well, my, my mom could not be a mom when she was getting bullied herself and she had, she would go and isolate herself. Like, how do you take care of a kid when you're isolating from your, she would isolate from me, you know, indirectly because of what was going on in the house. Right. You know, it just, but but when I got older, we would I would beg her to just talk to me, and instead of cry, like just talk to me. So, so in a way, did you numb out? Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> Hello, uh, I numbed out a lot. Um, I'm really good at isolating. It sounds like you were conditioned to isolate yourself, and so that's your comfort. Your quiet. your space, right? Your quiet space now before maybe when you were begging as a child or no. what you don't even realize is oftentimes when children go through things, um, 
they are experiencing all of it just like you are uh and they need to be able to cry they need to be able to talk about it they need it they have minimal words to use but to be able to express themselves otherwise right. they do they isolate and they minimize they escape emotionally they um do you ever dis disassociate disconnect from your body mentally all the time yeah and then that was even before like military because mm -hmm. that just intensified it yeah you went through a lot of trauma as a kid yeah and you know i remember I was, and my mom's like don't get me wrong my mom she can be mom of 16 ish or so and my dad had a party at a hotel for like the new year's god shit faced completely i don't know why 16 year olds had that much access to booze right me and my cousin he it was easy for me to get alcohol oh, that oh yeah business farm fuzzy navel md 2020 i mean we thought we were the shit that's why i don't drink gin and juice anymore oh from that. <laughs> here we are 30s no 20 something years later won't touch it and uh he dropped me off at the house and my fucking mom i love my mom i was hung over it was my first time being hung over I didn't know. I bet she had fun with that. Let, let me tell you. I'm like, Mom, like, I don't feel good. She's like, what happened? She's like, I was partying last night with Dad, this, that, and the other. She's like, okay. I'm like, I feel nauseous, and I, I was thrown up. I'm like, Ma, can you get me whatever? She's like, no. I was like, what? She's like, no. She's like, you wanted to have fun? You deal with it. <laughs> I was like, what? You don't care about me? She's like, have fun. It's <laughs> like, damn it. She I'd be banging pans. And, you good? You my, good? My best friend does. Well, she, I haven't seen her in a while, but she'll do that to me. I'm like, I hate you. I hate you. Screaming. But, and, and that's the kind of mom my mom is. Um, I, I'd go to her, hey, do you think this is a good idea? She's like, do you? I don't know. She's like, okay. And she's like, whatever you want to do. I go do it, fall flat on my face. Not once has she ever said, I told you so. All she's ever said is, did you learn something from that? Yeah. Every time. And I'm 41. There, yeah, my age. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too far behind. I was going to say, you're she's not She's 57. <gasps> it's wild. Oh, my God, that is crazy yeah. to think. Like, yeah, you're best friend. Oh, my God. Oh, it's almost like by the time you're at that age, you guys are so, I don't want to say similar, but there's not, it doesn't seem like it's too far apart. Mm -mm. I mean, I was, I was. I have a sibling that's almost as. Like the age difference between your yeah. mom and you, yes. so it might have like, been a little bit. You are really like truly friends. Sisters, mm -hmm. anyway, you are really good. You can be really good friends. Do you feel like you guys were really good friends growing up? Still, yeah. I mean, she's my she's my rock. She, okay, she's my rock. I mean, that's I have her just the fact that she was on your podcast just says that to me. Dude, my mom's, mom's a rock star. My friends go to her to talk to her about stuff. Well, damn, we even meet your mama. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, she might be up here pretty soon, so okay. I'll let y'all know. She's good shit. Yeah. So it sounds like she didn't really enable you no. at all and kind of let you experience life without, you know, being that helicopter mom to. Yeah. Till this day, she won't do that. Prevent you from experiencing life. My stepdad, he wants to spoil the hell out of me, which I'm like, okay. <laughs> She's like, no, yeah. no. And he's she like, just has like a sense of like emotional maturity just based on what she grew up with. It's insane. She figured it the fuck out. She went to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, that's Amazing. everything. It does. It makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. Um, so tell us a little bit about the transition between experiencing all of that. And oh, hold on, before I go too far, talk a little bit about 
when you were four and how you dealt with that or if it was ever dealt with? No, I know where you're going with this. I I was molested by some cousins and they were, one of them was a few years older than me. Another was my age and it happened pretty often. And then I don't know how long though. Like I can't say years cause it was very intermittent. And then when I was about nine, their cousin tried to go in for penetration when he was about the same age. And I got so scared I was going to get pregnant. I told my mom, I'm like, you know, it was nine. I didn't know. And um, I don't know what came of that, but that was it. I mean, I don't, I don't, that was it. It wasn't like years of every day, you know, but it was enough where I was so confused. Well, one time is enough, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I was so confused. Like, I, I wanted it. I'm like, let's do it again, you know? Because something felt really good. That's That happens to a lot of people, though. Like, you get, right, Courtney, I would say, even when you're going through that. I, I have never experienced that, but I've heard that so many times is you get our confused because it feels good, but it doesn't. Our bodies uh-huh. are it meant. It not make any sense. Our bodies are meant to respond to stimulation in a certain way, in a certain manner for reason. There is reason why it feels good. It's, but that's the confusing thing is even SA victims will say that there's a lot of shame. Like for somebody's house to be broken into, for them to be taken advantage of in a place that is scary where their life is threatened, one of the most difficult things that they have to talk about is the fact that they had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Because sex you're, you cannot stop your body from feeling things of experience and reacting to things. So, of course, it's going to be even more confusing when you're a child and you have no concept of what's actually happening, especially because most children don't learn what sex is until you have your period. and Or they learn about what it is, but there's not an understanding or you know the emotional intelligence to, to say, this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this. Glenna mentioned it. Sometimes it's disguised as a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is that with you saying that you were four years old, there was another um, little one that was four and then one that was a couple of years older mm-hmm. in the very beginning. And so when you were experiencing that, was it like a game? Or no. Was it? No? No, because we, we, <laughs> we would sit around and watch Skinamax. Hmm. Through like the we didn't have the I channel. Named it that in a long time. We didn't we didn't have the channel. We had the squiggly little lines, and we would mm. sit and watch like what's happening and what's happening. And dirty so there dancing. was curiosity. Oh, hundred percent. After that, yeah. And and then were you just like repeating what you were seeing, or no, no, no. no. I mean, you couldn't see anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it wasn't every day for years. It was very intermittent for years, for a few years. I can't. I don't remember. I don't remember the. I don't remember details. I got a details. question. Hmm. Do you see those cousins to this day? No. Is that by design or because it's Hell just yeah. job grown? Yeah. 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 No. It's it's by design. Uh, there's a lot of fighting in there amongst the family, uh, not related to that at all. And naturally, we just kind of went apart, and I was okay with that. Yeah. So you experienced this thing. And it was never really talked about until you were nine years old and when you talked to your mom because of your fear around it. Being pregnant. Right. By that one incident. She still didn't know what happened before that. So, she didn't know until a few years ago when I told her. Okay. 
but she knew that you had done something enough to fear being pregnant. I think so. I don't know what came of that. I just... How how did she respond to you? I I don't remember. You don't? I don't. It was middle of the night. I woke up because I put toothpaste in my ear. They're messing with me. Oh, my God. And I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, by the way, am I going to get pregnant? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's it mine. Shit. That's kind of traumatizing too, though, to, to mm. say something to a parent and not to have them. They Looking may have. back, what do you, what do you, or as an adult today, if a nine-year-old were to say that to you, what would your response be? Find their parents. <laughs> right yeah. away and be like, okay, kid. How you feeling? Yeah. Like right now, I honestly had to be like record on my phone. <laughs> yeah. We're going to record this conversation until we get another adult on the phone uh, in the room. Because something needs to be done, right? Actions yeah. need to be taken. Yeah, but I'd be like, you know, let's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I say I would do. I mean, we all say we're going to do whatever when something happens. We don't know until it happens. So I don't know. If there are parents around, I'd absolutely grab the parent. Let me just let me rephrase it then. Do you feel like you were protected? In general, or that moment, just answer the way that feels right. I, um, yes and no. Because I didn't even know I was in, I was in harm's way, if you will, when it came to any of that. So I didn't feel like I needed to be protected. I protected myself when I went and isolated. My mom protected me as best she could. I told you I found my voice when I was a little kid. So <laughs> the know? onus, the onus was yours to protect yourself. The what? The, like, you had to take responsibility for protecting yourself through what you went through with your dad, with the experience. Even if it doesn't feel traumatizing, maybe it wasn't traumatizing. Maybe it's not at all related to trauma because it was an event in which you, like, participated and were, you know, learning together and whatnot. But it's like you were still going through a lot and experiencing a lot and there's still feelings that you had that were never addressed around it. There was confusion. You mentioned Mm -hmm. that there was, and it didn't sound like through any of this that you ever had a sounding board to -mm. discuss that. My music was my sounding board. Did you write music around Mm it? Well, not around that. I just, I would play my guitar. Yeah. And any song that came on that resonated with me with not even the lyrics, it was the melody. Those minor chords get you, man. Those minor chords hit you in the gut. And I found a lot of healing through music. And Is that how you connected with your emotions? Oh, oh yeah. That was it. Still to this day. So you mentioned cutting yourself. I want to come back to that. I know that whenever you numb out as a defense mechanism, sometimes that release is like gives you a reason to feel something. Right. That's where I did it. Because numbing out is a trauma response of having to constantly push away and push down your feelings all the time. It's not that you don't have them. It's not that they don't exist in you. It is that they are ever present, but you aren't in a safe place to express them. Because if you expressed them, Perhaps you mentioned having to protect your mom and your mom always crying and you having to be the support for her, you know, but it doesn't sound like you had the support. Was she listening at your door and coming in to support and hold you when you cried? She, she did. I mean, I, I, it's not like she never did. It was almost like an equal 
balance of us supporting one another and going through isolation together and we did everything together yeah even it's just it's so weird you know it's a beautiful dynamic she would nurture me too you know like she uh, until this she used to put my head my head on her lap on a pillow and she would get this jergens lotion put it on a q-tip and she would just like clean my ears oh <laughs> on one side and she's like oh the other side with lotion with, with that little, little pink the pink like jergens uh, lotion like, yeah just so it was softer on my ears mm-hmm. like she wanted them and then she would just like hold that me does sound like, soothing right so now good. it does it is so good and and can we do that to each other later tonight yes <laughs> until this till this very day i'm so anal about my ears it's so funny yeah yeah. Do you still use Jergens lotion? Mm-hmm. Don't. <laughs> I don't. But I have to make sure they're clean, or I'm gonna go batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, your transition into the military. Why did you choose to to go through? I failed out of college. I got a, a scholarship to go play for UL Lafayette for for softball. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got recruited by Texas and UL Lafayette. And Connie Clark, the old softball retired softball coach for Texas. He, she would write me and like even she wasn't supposed to she would write me and wanted me and I got recruited by Yvette Girard uh to go to UL Lafayette and coach Girard it's so funny coach Girard before before I reported in or or went in um she left to go to LSU like a couple days before I was supposed to sign so I'm like what do I do so I still signed and played and I hated school hated it when 9-11 happened I was asleep I woke up in the afternoon and everything had already happened I didn't see plane hits I didn't see shit well I was at school yeah I I was supposed to go to school and then didn't go yeah same I was supposed to be in class and I was asleep (laughs) uh so I woke up to the aftermath and I my coach pulled me in her office had a come to Jesus moment and she's like listen your grades are horrible. I ended up beca- I was going to be a starting catcher and I ended up being a bullpen catcher because I wasn't making the grades. And she's like, you either need to quit or I'm kicking you off the team and give you two choices. Wow. I was like, I'm going to quit. Yeah. I think I can live on myself. And, th- and this actually plays into the military story. It's kind of funny. So I quit. And that following year, I enlisted in the Coast Guard because I was back in Corpus. And uh, I was like, I just want to do something bigger than myself. Something meaningful. So I enlisted mm-hmm. and I got my orders. I enlisted in February of 03, got my orders to Maine. That was my first duty station with Southwest Harbor, Maine. And I think I cried when they gave me the orders. Why? Because Maine, I'm from South Texas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where the hell is like way up there? It's like a foreign country. It's like Canada. How was it though there once you got there? Was it gorgeous? Okay. So I'd go back in a heartbeat. Uh, I love New England. I want to retire there. I want to go for the food. There. Let's do a girls' trip, yeah, dude. I want some, I'll show you all around some there. Lobster, lobster, mm. <laughs> lobster. Uh, but when I when I was there, it was a year after I quit the team. So I enlisted in February. The season, that's when the season starts. That that season that they were playing when I first enlisted, they made it to the College World Series. So I had to watch my old teammates in the College World Series in my barracks in Maine on ESPN. And I'm like. Fuck heartbreaking i was just like failure is not gonna be an option anymore after that wow okay and i remember called a teammate and i'm like oh my god i'm so proud of y'all I'm like that should so fucking be me right now on the tv you know like there's a lot there and uh did 11 years did nine active two reserves and i'd do it again if i could 
So. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I miss it. So what, how did your mom respond whenever you told her that you enlisted? And then were you still uh, engaging in a relationship? You said you still had a relationship with your dad at that time mm-hmm. when you enlisted. So what was that like? Actually good for what it was. Because at that time, he was married to his wife number one or two. No, wife number two. They had just had my little sister. And while I was in basic, his wife, his then wife, was sending me pictures of her. Because she was about to be one years old. Your sister? My little sister. And I mean, I was bawling like a baby. Oh, my God. So the timing was great because when I got out of basic, it was her birthday. So I got to be there. And, like, he was proud of me and stuff. And, uh... They had another baby down the road, and I cultivated a phenomenal, like, close relationship with her. She was young. Yeah. Um, That's fantastic to hear. But him, not not so much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that plays into our falling out, actually. Um, My mom, my mom's... my mom's weird I love her but she's she's a brunette but I swear she's blonde (laughs) she has her moments Uh oh military great but her dad was a World War II Korean War vet um so it's just a thing in the family Mm -hmm. uh we never really talked she's excited for me yeah super super stoked I think I I sent her a lobster from Maine (laughs) that's awesome I shipped her one lobster (laughs) from Maine for her 40th do you like lobster rolls was it frozen or was it live it was alive. That's huh? awesome. My other half is obsessed with lobster rolls. Oh, they're the Who's best. Not? And he, I saw you found a good right. one around here. Though. You got to make them right. And don't found, pay 20 bucks for it. He found a, tru- a food truck. Yeah. That one is some bullshit. I know exactly which one I, is not. I didn't like it. Was it like 20 bucks for one roll? Yes. That is bullshit. I know which one. I'll make you. I'll make you roll. Oh, okay. please. Mm. I told you I cook. I'll make it right. We'll make it happen. Lobster roll? I bet it'll be a lot better than what I had. Let's go. Because he looked at me like I was crazy. You don't like it? I know which one he's he's talking about. No, dude, they put celery and mayonnaise and shit. Don't do that. This didn't have anything on it. Well, that's you could at least put butter on it. Shit. There was. I don't know if that was on it either. I was just like, it's not the best. Well, this lobster because where we were stationed, like. No joke. Like where we're at right now. At I feel your like table. you're about to say Maine is about as big as this house. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. This is great. Like where we're sitting, imagine this is where our dock was with our boats, right? Where those windows are, where Tezra's living room is. It's the ocean? No. I mean, yeah. But no, that's it was Bill's Lobster, which ships lobster nationwide. And it's a big to-do, right? They even have lobster rolls, lobster. Okay, now right? I know Damn where I'm it. going for now my next I need trip. But this is, this is how mm-hmm. close we were. And we had a cook that couldn't cook rice, so we would just walk over and go. Rice? Some, couldn't cook rice. Jesus. But since it was local, because it was so fresh, the, the lobster men would pull their boats up offload. Oh, my God. It was that fresh. Oh, that sounds amazing. And they would have the poles where they're in, and it was like $8 a pound up there. Damn straight we ate lobster. Lob- Wait, this lobster. is also be- before 2019, right? This was in 2003. <laughs> oh, that's why. 2004. <laughs> it might be different. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, my mom, my mom was happy, and when I went to A school for my rating, or MOS, um, and I graduated, my mom and dad both showed up, and my stepdad. Okay. And my parents, my biological parents pinned me. It was, so it was, it was, I was like, man, we're, we're on the up, uppity ups, me and my dad. Yeah. Okay, so tell them what happened. Uh, like, how did it de-escalate? What did you start to see? I, we got, I was stationed in Cape Cod. That he came up with my brother and sister to see me. We had a fight. 
He threatened to take them back to Texas. So we're already kind of like back to our old ways. And then I got stationed in Sabine Pass, Texas. You know where that's at? I have no idea. I don't think so. The no bo- idea. The border of Texas, Louisiana. Oh, the tip at the very bottom. The is tip. Like just the tip? Just the tip. Just, is it by Orange? South. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, not... It's south of Beaumont by Port Arthur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like down there. Yeah. I thought Courtney asked if it was orange. I'm like, <laughs> The no. tip is orange? <laughs> you need to go to the doctor if your tip is orange. <laughs> it's like a decrease in blood flow, y'all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he was living in Austin with the kids. And you got to think it's a like a five-hour difference. Yeah. A drive, four or five hours. My duty rotation was two on, two off every other weekend. Meaning I had to live at the station for 48 hours, off for 48, off for 70, you know, that. And it got to the point where he's like, you know, you better start making an attempt to see your little brother and sister or there will be consequences. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? What does that even mean? You ain't my dad. Right? Because part of the thing, too, when he took, he actually took me to to Corpus to, to go to my grandpa's funeral. And we dropped the kids off. And I didn't tell anybody this. Uh, he dropped them off to their mom because they're already divorced. The kids get out of the car, whatever. Um, I go, whatever, say, hug her. He stays in the car. I get in the car, and he just looked at me and pointed his finger. He's like, check your loyalties. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? All right, you want to play games? Let's play games. Because I am you, just so you know, mother trucker, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah, he, again, threatened me, like, if you don't, try to see these kids there will be consequences almost like he's going to keep them from you me. haven't tried to be a fucking dad yeah Fuck off and it's it's with my duty rotation was just stupid to just drive five hours and the thing is you got to get a permission to leave a certain distance and i'm like it's just a lot you know like we'll figure it out we had family in beaumont not far from there so i'm like i'll see them at some point and then i had to have ankle surgery this is where it really went down i had my ankle surgery and I had my grandparents at the time from Corpus. They moved to Beaumont to be with family. So they were living with family. My aunt and all that. My grandma, grandpa. And I had surgery in Houston. I went back to be with my parents just outside of Houston for recovery. And I texted. I had texted their mom or called her. I'm like, hey, just so you know, like he's threatened to keep the kids from me. She's like, not as long as I'm around. Like. Don't worry about it. These kids are not going to be kept from you. Cool. She knew his game. Yeah. Well, he got he got wind of the conversation. I don't know if she told him or or what, right? So I just had ankle surgery, and I get a text message from him, like, how could you reach out to her, this, that, and the other? She probably got pissed at him and was like, how dare you say this to your daughter? What's crazy? What's crazy is in the text, and I was staying with family in Beaumont and just commuting to Sabine. So I was staying with the same family, right? Then I had the surgery, stayed with my mom. If y'all are following, this is where it's at. I get a text from him saying, basically because I reached out to her, he's like, I'm going to tell your grandmother, his mom, that you like girls and all this stuff. Like He was like just being a dick, like that you're a lesbian and this and that. And I'm like, first of all, I've never told anybody anything about my sexuality. He's just assumed this whole time. And second of all, I'm like, he's about to lie to my grandparents. And I showed my mom, I'm like, what the hell do I do? She's like, just keep the relationship going with their with with their mom. And that was, okay. Got healthy enough to go back to Beaumont. Called my family. And one of the members is like, Grandma doesn't want to see you right now. I was like, this motherfucker told her. 
So he lied to her. Now, he, she doesn't want anything to do with me. Nobody wants anything to do with me. I have to get an apartment. Well, through all this, my grandma ends up dying. So I never got closure with her. And throughout the years, you know, they, didn't, they weren't talking to me. My grandpa ends up dying. Never had closure with him. My uncle, one of my uncles in that family died. Never, and he was calling me all the time and I would ignore it. I never answered that call. Well, he died. I'm like, okay. So what he would do is he would lie to everybody to keep everybody away, s- separated. So you'll, you'll never know the true story. And that's what happened. And I'm like, yeah. But because of it, I, my grandma died, my grandpa died, my uncle died. My grandma died hating me. My grandpa was just old and sick. And my uncle probably tried to reach out to see what the hell was going on, but I wasn't answering that call. And then that's just my dad's side. My mom's side is just as bad when it comes to my grandparents and no closure. Okay. So I'm having a shit That's what I was wondering is, were these the grandparents that you grew up with? Uh-huh. These were his parents. These were his parents. But you still had relationships with them. And up so, until that lot, until he said he was going to tell her. You know, they do. They do that. People, narcissists. Um, and then my mom's side is just another shit show. It's like I couldn't escape it, dude. It's just everything around me was just fucked up (laughs) it's about control it sounds like the thing about the closet about your closet being a mess it made him look bad and it showed that you had a lack of control that made you appear weak which is a reflection on him so he's going to get pissed off about it and blow it up 10 times bigger than it needs to be you were showing loyalties whatever the fuck that means and i know what it means but you were honoring her and that depreciated his value. Who? Honoring my mom? Or excuse me. Cousin. The story around you talking to oh, his the mom. kids. Yes. Yeah, your yeah, sister's yeah. mom and your brother's mom. If you were talking to her and you mentioned he said, check your loyalties. Oh. Right? Yeah. So why? Most likely because if you were showing any type of loyalty in his own mind, it's not that you can show him 100% and her 100%. It's all a balanced scale. So if you're showing her some, you're taking some off of his scale. And you're depreciating his value. And he feels lesser than, a, than what he wants to feel. And he needs more from you. So he's going to control. And he's going to check you. And if he's using aggression, then he's going to do that. If he can't destroy you through aggression, then it's going to be through threatening about lying he didn't know whether you what about your sexuality there was no truth there but he was going to probably even if you weren't at all interested in women he was still going to use that lie to manipulate your life and to manipulate the people to make you suffer why because he needed to rebalance the scale because you took something from him and you needed to pay well he outed another family member about being gay before he outed me and my grandma was pissed and did stop talking to him. You know what I'm saying? He's playing this game. It sounds like he's playing everybody. He played everybody. He's controlling. Not anymore. Well, it also <laughs> sounds that. like his parents were allowing that. Let me see him on the streets. It sounds yeah, like somebody. somebody I don't even know if he's alive right now. I don't even care. It sounds like people enabled him to get away with a lot of things for a very long time. I, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Like my little brother and sister, they have their stories with him. So I'm going to not talk about that. 
It's just, he's just not a good person. So what did that feel like to be hugged by your family who you felt rejected by? I felt great. It really, it felt good because I'm like, well, now you fucking, y'all get to see what I've been seeing this whole time, dude. Um, so how long after that did you go through the program and what would you say is like the most healing? I hit rock bottom before that. But when everything happened with the lie and the, all that stuff, and then my cousin calling, and then like a couple years after, 2000, well, I had, I had actually, I got hurt in the Coast Guard. I didn't get medically retired, but I couldn't do my job anymore in 2013. Uh, 2013-ish, yeah. And I was having a falling out with my best friend at the time. I was living with her and her family in Chicago. Things were happening with my other side of the family, my mom's parents, which is just go to my story. You're going to hear it all in, in episode three uh, of our podcast. And, um, I, you know, I got kicked out. Of, I, I took five shots of Crown one night. I took a, a, a fork to my hand just so I could feel something. I couldn't feel anything. Took five shots of Crown, and then I took a knife to my uniform. And my best friend saw the whole thing right in front of her. And then I checked myself into a hospital. Then they kicked me out of the house. And then I had kind of a civilian job. And then I got fired. And then I was homeless for a little bit. It was just a downward spiral. And I was ready to take myself out. And then I had an opportunity to come to Dallas for that training to do something different. And I took it. And it was because of the... Sh- the How did you hear about it? So my sponsor, her name is Barbie. Pretty well known in the fitness industry so I won't say her last name but I was following her on Facebook because of the fitness stuff um, and who she was and one day she just said you know every day 22 veterans commit suicide and I saw it and I'm like yeah and I'm about to be one of them and she followed up she's like if you're a veteran and you want something different I've got something for you and at the time it was military May I remember that that's yeah that's I started in military May for my class. Too. Was it, was I remember it? that, yeah. Yeah. I had quite a few veterans in my class. Um, so I reached out to her, told her I was. I, f- I found a way to come down to Texas. Plus, I hadn't had Whataburger in like two years at that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. Right? That was, I swear, I got off the plane at, at Dallas Lovefield. I saw a guy oh, with that yeah. styrofoam sexy cup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where is that? He started laughing. He's like right over there. <laughs> so I'm a Whataburger. And... Uh, she she saw me through and through the, through the entire training, showed up at my graduation, and yeah, I can say the rest is kind of history. It's because of that. So, But it was the music, it was the stories through the music, and Martin's story that ultimately made, helped me take suicide. Martin, Martin helped me with mine. Which is such a mind fuck, and I've talked about that. Did you have Martin too? So we all had Martin. I did not. She did oh, not at the first class, but Martin went there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I wrote a, the recent song I wrote has a, a verse for him. Um, y- y'all chime in too. I mean, I always talk about him, but you know, it, it, I feel like if I didn't have him in that class as, um, a trainer, I probably wouldn't have gotten as far as I did. He wouldn't have pushed me as far. He did the, um, thank you for caring enough to share or whatever. Oh, I promise to wait carefully. Yeah. yeah, he gave, well, no, no, I'm sorry. He gave me a, um, what's that word? Position statement? He gave me a position statement. Oh. 
and I forget exactly what that was, but it fucking fucked me up. I know that because that was like in the second class. So at that time, I don't really remember half the stuff we did in the second class because it was all a blur. Because my mind was just like blown up with everything um, and my emotions. But I know like he made a huge impact whenever. Oh, he told me, you're not going to finish this program. Hmm. You're not going to make it through. If you keep playing the way how how hard you're playing now, you're not going to make it. Playing small. Yep. He yeah. called me out on that shit. That's what it was. Wow. He was good at that. Mm-hmm. I have regrets with Martin. After I shared my story in the weekend, um, both him and Lori asked for me to write them, um, to email them my story. I think there was a lot of my story that they saw in themselves. And it was after the walk when Martin shared his story that I had an opportunity and I didn't fucking take it. I didn't take it because I thought he had everything figured out. But there was something in me and I just, I didn't feel, I felt so strongly like I needed to say something. Something was on my heart to say and I didn't. And I held back because I assumed that what I had to say was too small and too insignificant and that he already had his shit figured out because here he is training us. And even after (laughs) twice, when I saw him leaving for the last time, um, I saw him walking out and I knew something was wrong because of how he was walking out. And it turned out that that was the last time that he was ever going to be there. But we had a moment, and he was emotional. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. And uh, it just, again, I wish I was whole. I wish I was whole, and I wish I was stronger, because I would have said more. And I feel like what I could have said, and I know there's the arrogance thing, but what I could have said, I think it matters. I think it does matter to say what you have to say in your on your heart. I messaged him on Facebook finally and I, I laid it all out there and I wrote him probably an entire page. It got read, it didn't get responded to and a week later he committed suicide. I ended up talking to his mom about, uh, Lori introduced me to his mom. She said that I might have some medicine for her and I did, but there was a lot of medicine in it for me, too, just you because... Like with medicine, what does that term mean? Healing, emotional support, love, so like... You know, that's crazy, because I saw him a week before he passed, too. And I went up to him and talked to him. And he was in a bad moment. We were a at, bad place. We were at a... I think it was Storming Crabs in McKinney. Um, it was a seafood place. And he was wearing his nice suit. You know how he looks so great in those suits? I straight up knew who he was because how great he looks in those suits, right? And I was eating with my dad, and he went up to the bar and got a drink, straight to a drink. And I saw, like, he just wasn't, like, in a good head space. And so I told my dad, I was like, Dad, I need to go talk to him. And so I went to go tell him, say, hey, you know, it's great to see you. The training you gave me, like, helped me so much. And what, you know, I've become today, and I want to thank you for the help that you put 
between me and my other half. And he like, he told me, he's like, and, and this is when he was no longer with Pathways. And I said, it's it, to me, I said, the training to me is not the same without you. I want you to know that. And he said, thank you. Like he started crying just a little bit. He's like, thank you so much for that. I didn't think anyone cared about me is what he told me. And that was, that was a week later that happening. I'm like, fuck man. That's hard. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I guess your listeners, Martin was our, one of our facilitators, mentors that helped a lot of us. And he had survived a suicide attempt years ago. Fought for all of us, our families, our friends, people. Saved a lot of Even people. Even you, Tezra. People that came, like, after Yeah, I him. remember hearing that name, yeah. But, pe- but people that were training you were trained by him, is what I'm getting at. Is like, he indirectly impacted, like, people like you. Like, all of us still, you know? Only to take his himself out. And I, I, I told people, I'm like, this is the biggest mind fuck in the world. The person that helped you take suicide off the table goes and blows his, you know, didn't blow his brains out. I'm not saying he did that. He did not do that, just so you know. Um, but. He succeeded in it this time. Yeah. How do you. I was like, do I have a chance? If this guy didn't even make it. You know, but that, but that's how it was after it happened. I was like, fuck, you know. We all felt it. All of us. It was impactful. Where are you with that? Huh? Where are you with that? With him? With that thought process. Do you have a chance after him? I do. I do. I still struggle, though. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm suicidal or that's an option. It's still off the table. It's just like that thought does come back. You know, and, and, and we've talked about it on numerous episodes before this or on our show. Once you've been there and I didn't attempt, I got to the point where I needed to plan it. And before I could plan it, I got the help. So I didn't get to that dark, dark, but I was dark, you know? Yeah. Um, but man, as soon as you're just there, man, it's 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 like a, you're better, you're good. You know it's not an option, but fuck, dude, when shit gets hard, it sounds pretty nice right about now. I think that's so, the thing. Is it? Com- goes away. It is the ultimate escape, right? That's what it it almost represents, I think. And the reality is it isn't. It's not. And it's taking something from you. It's taking the opportunity. Like, think about how much more impactful Martin could have been if he had slept on it, if he had passed through that day, if he had reached out for support. He read my letter. He heard your words. I know we weren't the only ones who were reaching out. Was he willing to receive? And that's something that we can't change. You know, being in that state of mind, putting your place yourself constructively in a place where you're talking to people and and having that circle around you. I mean, I know now you have three girls who are going to, like, be there. You got my ass for sure. <laughs> you can call me at yeah, 2 a.m. in too, the morning, man. and I'm driving out to Farmsville in the fucking middle of nowhere for your ass. Do you have that support system around you? Oh, like I, aside from me, I do. Aside from y'all, I do. That's why I talk about the gym a lot. And I told told David, I'm like, dude, all because you took a chance, you gave me a family. I never had. You do really make your family. You you do. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you have a lot of healthy people around you now. I got a a lot of healthy, dysfunctional, (laughs) one-legged, one-armed people and pets. I 
fucking love it, dude. I love it. I love it. I love I love that we can laugh. I to tell people, man, life's already too serious to be serious. Like, if you're not laughing, you're not living. That's the truth. You know. That is the truth. Have some fun, man. Yeah, there's a time and a place, of course, but you got to laugh. <laughs> and not only that, it sounds like you've been a really healthy, like, you've made a m- massive impact on these people. And I know uh, you're making an impact on us. And with all of your training and everything, like, I want you to recognize, and if you ever get to the point where you stop seeing it in yourself, and maybe even start to feel exhausted by the people around you that need things from you, recognize, like, you have given the support to other people to give them a reason to live. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. And so you you have so much, like, purpose on this earth. And so much more to experience and so many more people need to experience what you have that's why i'm so glad you have your podcast you're reaching out to the masses you're reaching out to all of those veterans they deserve to hear what you have to say because like you said 22 2200 probably way more now oh yeah but yeah for sure way more we're going the wrong way in the pendulum and after covid i mean that's there's more saying. isolation than mm-hmm. ever before and, and this is a way you too, can you know? reach this, this is the way you can reach. Close this out because we got to go. Oh, we got to go to dinner, right? Yeah. Let's yes. do it. All right. Because I'm hungry. Yeah. Close this out. You have anything that you would like to share that we did not go over? Or would you have anything to say to our listeners that you would like to share? No, man. Just thanks for listening. Um, thanks for giving me a platform to share my story. I don't think this is going to be the last time we like share. Go be on each other's podcast. I'm sure we'll be uh, doing Yo, I, I feel like there's like a... Like a connection that's about to be made. <laughs> Bad bitch vibes. If you can get me connected, if you can get me connected to Mark Wahlberg, we'll be best friends. <laughs> well, you know, if Chris Hemsworth ever comes around, y'all, y'all need to start hanging out with us at the gym because you never know who's gonna walk in. I need, I need a gym. Come on, what's we a non-profit? Should go visit. Well, I guess you know I'll do that for your, for your listeners. Uh, the Adaptive Training Foundation. Go check them out, guys, on social media. Check out me too. Check out Bad Bitch Vibes. Uh, the Adaptive, Adaptive Training Foundation is doing big things for really cool people. It's a gym for disabled veterans and civilians, whether you were born with it or not. Uh, it's an all-inclusive gym. We take everybody, including service dogs that fill out of service dog school. Uh, Jerry, the lovey Jer, three, three-legged pep. I told them they need to make a, a calendar of all of our service dogs oh, and yeah, three-legged that's a great pups. Idea. That's awesome. So we'll see. But, dude, really big things, beautiful things happening. Uh you know, David Vibora, he's the founder. He's uh, He was uh, the last pick in the 2008 NFL draft, deeming him mystery relevant. So he he went to a school shortly after he was drafted. He's like, he had to talk to these kids because they got to do all these like public things. And he's like, how many of y'all been picked last on the playground? <laughs> like, I'm here to tell you. Me. He's like, I'm here to tell you Definitely that was me. me this past Sunday. Yeah. But I'm, you know, and he ended up starting his rookie That's season. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, he's a solid dude. Cra- crazy story about addiction with pills and stuff like that. And all because he took a chance on one guy. He's helped impact so many people. Mm. And it's here in Carrollton, Texas. Uh, stay tuned for some big stuff that's happening for the gym and big people. Uh, but yeah, Mark Wahlberg showed up on 9 yes, 11. Yes, I was yes. like, holy, what? I was like, <laughs> hold was on. There. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott. Did you get his number? No. Dak and Zeke showed up. He is a married man. Shut up. He may be short, but he's hot as hell. And I'm man. <laughs> he might be short. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you go, you might see, uh, you might get your ass kicked literally by a one-legged guy. 
in an ass kicking contest. It's That'd great. be a good story. <laughs> it's happened to me, dude. Travis, the guy with no legs, kicked my ass in box jumps and burpees the first time I ever met him. I was like, that just yeah, we might have to go. Yeah, all of them are gonna kick my ass. Like right. I haven't worked the, out. The next sweatiest COVID. hour, the next public workout, I should come out. It'll be fun. But anyhow, but yeah, you can find me uh, all major platforms, streaming platforms. Again, it's twenty two hundred taps, guys. Two two zero zero T A P S. And uh, if you have a story, come on, would love to have you. And if y'all want to vibe with these sexy ladies, yes, like, comment, subscribe, email us at badbeavibes at gmail.com. We will take anything you have to suggest, any stories you want to share. If you want to become a guest on our show, good, bad, or indifferent, bad bitch vibes or bad bee vibes? Bad bia, because Gmail bia. does not like bitch. <laughs> oh, it doesn't? Nope. It was just, were you getting yelled at? It said, no, can't do it. <laughs> so, so B-I-A. B-I-A. Bad Bia vibes. Yes. Bad Thanks Bia for joining vibes. our threesome, Pam. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes.